Second Timothy chapter two. I'm going to read verses one through seven. Second Timothy chapter two, starting with verse one. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life, so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, If anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Last Sunday we looked at the importance of helping others learn and grow by passing on what we have learned and know. Today we're going to look at God's exhortation to willingly pay the price of being involved in some form of Christian ministry, which we'll expand to include the cost of being a regular Christian like the rest of us, and the cost of doing battle with ourselves in order to become a mature, godly Christian. However... Before looking at these three areas, I want to remind you, and this to me is an important truth that's easy to forget. I want to remind you that whether you are a good soldier of Christ Jesus, or you are seeking a more self-pleasing life by serving the world, your flesh, and the devil, you are going to suffer hardships. Both ways of life are costly. To whatever degree we seek a more self-pleasing life by serving the world, our flesh and the devil, to at least that degree we bring hardship, loss, and forms of death into our lives. In other words, in spite of the perceived benefits and pleasures gained from sin, and I say perceived because they aren't real, pleasures and benefits. Yeah, they feel good, and yes, you gain something. But they all come, they all come with a cost. So in spite of the perceived benefits and pleasures gained from sin, we actually make our lives worse. Because in spite of sin's grand beginnings, its outcome is corruption, That word is used in the scripture and it speaks of the slow process of decay. So if you think of sin like rust, it doesn't immediately destroy, but it just eats away until whatever the metal was is no more. So the outcome of sin is corruption, it's destruction, it's suffering, and ultimately it's death. However, if we are pursuing godliness and making progress and putting an end to our participation in selfishness and sin, we will avoid the hardships, destruction, and death from doing what is wrong. But, 
This is an important but that we're going to look at today. But that does not free us from the hardships that result from a serious pursuit of godliness or from being a Christian in an ungodly world or from standing with and for God in Christian ministry. So with that in mind, let's pray. Father, again, we are looking at your word. This is the word you've given us. Speak through it to us. I do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 3. This is what we're going to look at today. Suffer hardship with me, Paul writes, as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. In this context, to suffer hardship is to endure or to bear up under trials, difficulties, inconveniences, or pain without thinking that God has somehow failed you or sinking to the depths of despair or giving up or turning against God as if he is unworthy of your trust and adoration. In Acts chapter 14, verses 19 through 22, Paul speaks of suffering in this kind of a way, but he speaks of it in relation to Christian ministry and also what I'm going to call today regular Christians. Regular Christians are believers who are not in Christian ministry. That's how I'm using the phrase regular Christian. So hear it that way. When I speak of a regular Christian, I'm talking about a believer who is not in Christian ministry. So I want to read Acts chapter 14, verses 19 through 22. But the Jews, these were Jews who were looking to get rid of Paul. The Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul. He's the Christian in ministry. And this is one of the hardships he was enduring. So they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. The next day he went away with Barnabas to Derbe. After that, after they had preached the gospel to that city, and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, this is the regular Christians, encouraging them to continue in the faith. And this is what Paul was saying to them, or at least this is the essence of the message. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. The point is, Suffering hardship as a good soldier of Christ Jesus is not new to our age. It's not unique to superior Christians or confined to those in Christian ministry. It is the lot of any follower of Jesus Christ who is committed to growing in godliness, maturing as a Christian, and living a godly life in this world, which is a sinful world. And that very fact is important because that means it's an adversarial world. I know in our country, Christians and unbelievers have gotten along pretty well for many years, but it's becoming increasingly adversarial, not just because the unbelievers are against the Christians and the Christianity and the values and the beliefs, 
But sadly, many Christians are becoming hostile and antagonistic towards the world rather than being a light and bringing truth to the world in a way that is respectful and sane and sensible. So let's begin by looking at the suffering of Christians in ministry, because there are costs to being in Christian ministry. For persecution against Christians is obvious, those in church leadership positions and other recognized positions of Christian ministry are often the first to be persecuted. One of the things I appreciated about a writing from the 5th century, uh, written by uh, Gregory, who happened to be the Pope of the Catholic Church at the time, he was writing to his pastors, the priests out in the field. And uh, he was writing about who should be and who shouldn't be. That was the first section of his writings. Who should be and who shouldn't be. And he, in essence, said, I wouldn't have to be writing about this if there still was persecution because the pastors were the first to be persecuted and we didn't have bad pastors in the ministry. We only had godly ones. But because persecution has subsided... We now have people in the ministry who ought not to be here. So I'm writing about who should be and who shouldn't be. It's my understanding from the news, from Joe Lorenz, who keeps up with these things as well, that China goes after the Christian leaders first and then the followers. And uh, this is one of the reasons why Paul exhorts those in ministry to suffer as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. The allusion to soldiers, I think, is appropriate in that it provides a reasonably descriptive picture of the position of the Christian worker in relation to God and the hardships suffered. I suppose Paul could have picked another picture, but a soldier is a good picture. Consider, a soldier leaves the comfort and security of home. He's exposed to the elements. He doesn't dwell in a nice setting, but when he's soldiering, he's in a tent at best. Sometimes he's just laying on the ground trying to get sleep where he can. If you have, I'm not promoting this, but if you've seen any movies about the military in Vietnam and what those soldiers endured in the jungles, uh, spending a night in the jungle was not a pleasant experience. It wasn't like going to bed in your home. And that's what soldiers have to endure. Sometimes they're pushed to exhaustion, having to march a long ways, carrying heavy weights. Sometimes they're in harrowing situations, exposed to the possibility of being wounded or even taken as prisoner, possibly even killed. This is a life of hard work and challenge, yet it is the kind of life a good soldier commits to for the sake of his country, his leader, and his fellow soldiers. Those who are in ministry commit to this kind of life as well for, hopefully, our Savior's sake, for the sake of the spiritual health of the church, for the sake of the lost, and for the sake of building and expanding God's kingdom. 
Here in verse 3, the example of a soldier is used to describe those who are in some form of Christian ministry. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, Paul uses another description. He uses the description of an athlete, and he uses that to describe those who are regular Christians. Remember, those are the ones not in Christian ministry. And before we get to the regular Christians, I just want to make this comparison because it's an interesting comparison. A soldier faces an enemy, while an athlete faces a rival. Think about the difference. A rival may defeat the athlete, but an enemy is out to do away with the soldier in order to remove him as a threat. However, the hardships of ministry go beyond these kinds of challenges. There's the challenge of serving diligently, even when you're not getting the responses hoped for, when those who have been served for many years continue living as they've been living. When I memorized Romans chapter 12, one of the statements in there is, those who lead should lead with diligence and for whatever reason, at that point in ministry, I was feeling like, you know, how, how much is this worth it? Who's really changing? Who's really listening? Who's really gaining from this? The effort put in, is it worth it? And uh, that particular statement uh, God used to challenge me and uh, get me to consider seriously what my commitment was and how I would put myself into this work. So there is that challenge of serving diligently. There is the challenge of leading those served to spiritual health and Christian maturity. And especially this is a challenge because you face the challenges and temptations of everyday life. Home, work, all the things that go along with that. And those challenges can easily pull you back into the ways of the world and the flesh and the devil. It's not an easy life out there. I am very grateful that I don't have to go to a secular job every day. I am not surrounded by unbelievers. I am not having to deal with uh, people who are uh, saying all kinds of things that pull me down spiritually. I sold cars for a year and a half. I did that so I would learn how to be able to talk to people without being afraid of that. Um, so selling cars helped me get good at just being able to be around people and talk about anything with some measure of confidence. But one thing I realized in selling cars, at the end of each day there was a group of guys that would go to the bar and sometimes it was a bar that had ladies in it who weren't always dressed well. And there was always the invitation, and it was easy. I could see if you hung around that environment and you were with this kind of conversation and these kinds of people, it would be very easy to move away from God and get involved in things that are against God and, and work against our spirituality. And when you're trying to teach people who have to face that every day, I need to be aware of what 
you're facing and enduring. And that's a challenge. There are challenges to one's health. I think of Amy Carmichael, who was bedridden for 20 years in India, went there as a missionary, as a a worker, and worked with girls trying to save their lives from uh, sexual and slavery in the the, uh, temples, and taking in girls who had no parents. And yet she wound up being bedridden for 20 years. There's the loss of freedom. I grew up listening to uh, the stories about Adonai Judson, who himself was imprisoned in Burma for a number of years simply because he was a Christian. Uh, There's separation from one's family. Think of the Jews and of Nixons. These are costs. These are hardships that people in ministry endure. So Christian ministry may look appealing to an outsider. It may look easier than factory or construction work. It may look less stressful than working in the business world. And in some ways, it may be. Yet Christian ministry has the kind of challenges and hardships that moved Paul to exhort those in ministry to endure the hardships as if They are good soldiers of Christ Jesus. That call, that exhortation, gives you some clue of what he knew was involved in the work. And because of this, I want to urge you to pray for those in ministry, to offer them the kind of support and help and encouragement that will help them and encourage them as they do this work. And... Be their support, as it were, until their work is done. Moving on to suffering the cost of being a regular Christian, someone who's not in ministry. To me, it's important to notice that God is not asking those of us who are not in some form of Christian ministry to suffer the same hardships as those who are. This isn't a, you know, everybody has to suffer the same thing. However, Let's recall Paul's words from Acts chapter 14, verse 22, where he says, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Knowing what lay ahead for these believers, Paul spoke these words, according to this scripture, to encourage them to continue in the faith in spite of the hardships faced. And if that's not enough to convince you that you will experience hardships as a regular Christian, let me remind you of a scripture we've often talked about, James chapter 1, 2 to 4, where we read that God uses trials and tribulations to build our faith and progressively transform us into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. To be taught and trained by God in this way can rightly be called a hardship to be endured. Trials, tribulation, those are hardships. However, those who value the resulting spiritual growth joyfully endure those kinds of hardships. Now there are those of us who are not in ministry, yet we still need to see ourselves as good soldiers of Christ Jesus who are willing to suffer the hardships 
that are common to those who aren't in ministry. After all, we are in a war. A war that needs to be won, not only by God over Satan, or good over evil, but also by the spirit over our flesh and love over selfishness. To see some practical examples of these kinds of hardships, consider the various environments in which we live. And I'm not giving, uh, this is not an exhaustive uh, list, but just consider these things. Uh, When you are a teenager, you face the challenges of being raised by imperfect parents. That's a challenge. And as a teenager, you're required to work your way through the educational process with its imperfections and challenges. I had a professor at Michigan State. I took the class because he was the last ambassador to China from the U.S., before China was taken over by the communists. He was the worst professor I ever had. That was a real disappointment. It was a challenge to go to class every time I had to go. The whole semester, all he talked about was this paper we were supposed to write and telling us what we had to do to write it and how much he looked forward to reading it. would never talk about China. Yeah the imperfections and challenges of the educational system. My guess is Michigan State hired him because of his credentials. But he had no business being in the classroom. When you're a parent, you face the challenges of raising imperfect children. Can you imagine those challenges? (laughs) If you're an adult, you face the challenges of being single, or if you get married, you face the challenges of married life. Yeah. And as an adult, there are the challenges of living in a neighborhood and working in a job where you're surrounded by unbelievers. Some who are responsible and caring, some who stay to themselves, just don't notice them much. And others who make life harder because they're irresponsible and could care less. We've been in our neighborhood for 50 years. We've seen a lot of change. We had a neighbor on either side of us. At the same time, there were both widow ladies, older. Um, needed care, and uh, we would look in on them, we would help as much as we could. And next door to one widow lady, there was a family that was pretty wild and crazy, and they would have parties and what have you. And uh, there was an incident, and I, I knew for our neighbor's sake I should get involved, but I also knew that at this wild and crazy house, there was a guy who was built like a big football player, and I suspected that one punch from him would finish me off. But I still needed to go down and talk to that home and plead with them to consider Mary, who was our neighbor, and uh, make life easier for her, especially at night when it came time to go to sleep. Uh, To be a good neighbor, it can be challenging. It can uh, 
create hardships. And as if those things are not enough, there are the challenges of deciding what kind of entertainment you'll partake of and how you are going to deal with the various political opinions of those who are trying to persuade you to accept their opinions. And in all these situations, you have the challenge of figuring out how to live as a Christian ought to live, all being exhorted by God, the church, the scriptures, to remain faithful to the will of God and the truths of God's word. That isn't always easy. The reality is, in all these things, there is a price to pay and hardships to endure that are often made more challenging because you are a Christian, because you need to take God and godliness with you into those situations. This means a healthy mindset, reasoned thinking, good attitudes, a growing faith, and a helpful perspective are vital. And one helpful perspective that is set before us in verse 3 is that of seeing ourselves as good soldiers of Christ Jesus, who as good soldiers willingly suffer the hardships experienced along the way for the sake of our leader and his cause. Remember, there's a war that needs to be won. So let me just ask these questions. How do you look at the hardships that come from living the Christian life? Do you look at them as a burden? Do you want relief? Or do you see them through the eyes of a good soldier who wants to please his Lord and Master, Jesus Christ? The last kind of suffering that I want to talk about today deals with suffering the costs of doing battle with ourselves in order to become mature, godly Christians. You cannot get a good education that is one that prepares you adequately for the real world without suffering multiple hardships along the way. For some reason, I I did believe that the weekends should be mine, that no teacher or professor should ever control my weekends by assigning homework for weekends. But for some reason, school was not that difficult for me. I'm not sure why. Uh, can't say as I always did well, because I didn't necessarily care that much, but it wasn't difficult. I didn't realize how difficult school would be until a friend of, of mine, of ours, um, was in uh, a doctoral program and had to read three books a week, prepare reports on those three books, actually know what she read and this was an ongoing process this was not just one week this was week after week after week you cannot get a good education without suffering multiple hardships along the way and in the same way you cannot thoughtfully purposefully and with perseverance pursue godly Christianity and spiritual maturity 
without suffering multiple hardships along the way. And within the realm of these kinds of hardships, and this is my opinion, the hardest work you will do and the highest price you will pay comes from battling yourself. Battling yourself in an effort to put off what ought not to be in you and put on what ought to be there. That's the hardest work you'll do. It is true, very true, and I'm not taking anything away from this. God will empower you and help you, and he will do this all along the way. And yet, in spite of that, the process of growing up as a believer, of growing as a Christian, of growing in spiritual health, the process is like an all-out war. It's like the most costly of wars. It's like a never-ending war. The reason this is the most costly of wars is because it requires us to die to ourselves and die to and therefore lose out on whatever benefits we believe we are gaining from such things as our self-centeredness, our self-rule, our pride, the ungodly pleasures that we treasure, the unfounded and irrational fears that we harbor, and our sense of security and well-being that we gain from what is not truly secure or good for us. It's not hard being godly. Jesus himself said, if you will come to me, I will give you rest. If you will take my yoke upon you, you'll discover that it's easy. It's not hard. So what is so hard? Why is it a war? What is it that creates the hardships and spiritual growth? It's dying to myself. It's letting go of what I believe I have to have. Do my children have to live the way I think they ought to live in order for me to be content, to be at peace, to have joy? Oh, I would like that. Can I let go of that requirement doesn't mean I let go of praying for that. Doesn't mean I don't desire that anymore. I do. But can I let go of that as an ought or a should or a must in order for me to have well-being? That's the battle. Can I live with what I don't want to live with because of the way other people behave? You see, that's the battle. Can I stop using anger and control and manipulation, whether it's passive or aggressive, in order to get my way and accept the fact that I may not get my way? That's part of the war. You can't deal with those parts of your being without suffering hardships because it's hard to let go of what you think you have to have in order to be secure, in order to be happy, in order to have a sense of well-being, in order to think that life is okay. 
And beyond that, this war is costly because it means putting an end to gratifying our own felt needs. Felt needs are not real needs. They're not things you actually have to have. Needing water is not a felt need. That's a real need. Needing approval and acceptance, that's a felt need. Needing to uh, never have to eat asparagus or cauliflower, that's a felt need. It's not a true need. Fortunately, as an adult, I can make decisions about that myself, or my parents used to make it for me when I was a kid. I lived, so it's proof that it's not a real need. We all have felt needs, by the way. And from an ungodly perspective, any loss of a felt need is a great loss. In reality, it's not. But when you look at it from your selfish perspective or from your survival perspective or from an ungodly perspective, any loss of a felt need is a great loss. I think one of the real challenges in my life was facing the felt needs that I became aware of. I hope I'm aware of all of them I may not be. But I hope I have become aware of them and then dealing with them. But the hardships don't stop there. For included in the cost of godliness is the need to not only change our behavior, but also our beliefs, our values, our attitudes, our way of thinking and the evil desires lodged deep within our hearts. I've said this before. I'm only saying this again to make the point. When I first started down the path of pursuing godliness, I dealt with the things on the outside. I knew what I needed to stop saying. I knew what I needed to stop looking at. I knew what I needed to stop doing. And further I got down that road, I realized what was going on in my mind. And I began to realize how I needed to think and not think, and what I needed to put out or not let in, and what I needed to put in or keep there. And the further I got down that road, I realized, boy, deep within me, which the Bible calls the heart, Deep within me, I have desires, inclinations, wishes, beliefs, values that are really sick. You see, it isn't just changing who we are on the outside that's hard. It's changing who we are on the inside. That's part of the hardships. Those are only examples of the putting off side and putting on side, doing battle with ourselves. See, in order to do battle with ourselves, there is the cost of protected time for study, thought, prayer, and hopefully being discipled. We're busy people. Our lives are full. And if it's not full of work or 
chores. It's we can add entertainment. We have almost an endless amount in our day, an endless amount of entertainment. So we can fill our time really easily. But like in education, there is a process that will require hours, days, weeks, months, years. And the reality is you cannot protect the kind of time needed for spiritual growth without forsaking what used to fill that time. And that in itself results in forms of hardship. And like in education, book learning is limited to learning To gain the kind of practical experience that makes your learning useful in everyday life, you must take your book learning into the real world. But this too is costly because it takes time, it takes commitment, it takes focus, it takes prayer, and it takes dependence on God for empowerment and help to go out there in the real world and work it out. One of the things I'm really grateful for is exposure to Uh, a book about communication and exposure to CCS, which was an organization committed to conflict resolution. And when those two things came together, I had a lot to learn about talking and I had a lot to learn about conflict resolution. My earlier days of conflict resolution was to uh, use my best arguments, my logic, my reason, which uh, with... uh, Barbie was pretty effective because she couldn't compete. So winning was fairly easy, and I could use that. If not, I could raise my voice. I could use anger. I could try to manipulate and control. Yeah, think about having to learn a whole new system. I could ask Barbie a question, and she could take several minutes. Maybe she would need an hour or a day before she could answer. While she's doing that, I'm like five miles down the road thinking of all these things that she might say and what I would respond and why and why and why and why. And I had to accept that this is the way she dealt with these things and I had to learn to wait. Not just to wait, but to love her and and to love her in waiting and want to wait. Because I wanted good for her, not just for me. That took time. It took effort. Repeated efforts. And I failed many times before I began to really settle it in my heart and mind and figure out how to be this way. The point of all this is, and I want to make this point without diminishing the hardships endured by Christians in ministry or Christians living a godly life day after day. The point is, you cannot pursue godliness of heart, mind, mouth, and behavior without enduring serious hardships and paying a high price. Hardships and a price no one wants to pay and calculated from a worldly or fleshly perspective. But I do want to remind you that the outcome of this kind of pursuit brings about God's blessings. It brings about genuine joy 
It results in inward peace. It brings wisdom for daily living. It brings a restful heart and mind. It brings freedom from the effects of stress. And it brings about a confidence that you are truly safe in God's hands. So even though the path to get here is full of challenges and hardships, it does lead to the abundant life promised to us by Jesus Christ himself. I want to end with uh, kind of a parable. A man was badly wounded in his right hand. When he tried cleaning the wound, the pain was such that he wrapped it with bandages. And not wanting to endure more pain, he left it wrapped, which allowed infection to set in. Not only did the infection eat away at the flesh in his hand, it sent the infection surging through his body. Finally, being sick enough to admit he needed help, he turned to the medical profession who wanted to remove part of his hand and pump him with antibiotics, not wanting to lose his hand. He took the antibiotics and hoped for the best, which never came. He died of sepsis. Was this man wise or foolish? Foolish. Foolish. A Christian was willingly living a compromised life, creating wounds that needed cleaning and areas of flesh that needed removing, not wanting to endure the pain of such procedures. He chose to wrap them with bandages and hope for the best. And I think you can figure out the rest from here.